0: As without further ado, I want to introduce Dr. Penny Rosenbaum, who is with us here at AFB, our Research Director of Research, and and Elizabeth Bolander, who is a vision-impaired teacher and is working on her PhD at Mississippi, is it Mississippi State? New Mexico. Mexico, sorry about that, (laughs) Elizabeth. Well, Raku, thank you so much for being here, you guys.
1: Well, thanks for having us, Melody. So uh, myself and Elizabeth are, are glad to be here. And we're actually going to talk about the workplace technology study that started with a focus group. So I don't know if you want me to kick it off and talk a little bit about that or? Yes. I actually,
0: would tell us the purpose of the study, Penny.
1: Sure. So I joined AFB actually 11 months ago. And one of the questions that was posed to me when I first came was, Um, we, We have some funding and we want to look at how individuals with visual impairment use mainstream and assistive technology in the workplace, but just not like a count of, you know, how many people use JAWS or how many people use screen magnification. But let's dive in a little deeper. What are the challenges? What are the successes? How do you as a visually impaired employee do that dance with IT and with HR to get the tools that you need? to be a productive member of your organization, your company. And so that's our real focus here with this workplace technology study, which is actually a multi-part study. So the first part is focus groups and that's what we're here to talk about today.
0: Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Who participated in the focus groups? Elizabeth, can you hear me okay?
2: Yes, there we are. Okay. (laughs) Sorry about that, guys. We had nine total focus groups um, for this study. And we had four focus groups that were people who primarily use screen readers um, in their daily work performance tasks. And then we had three focus groups who were made up of people with low vision um, who use screen magnification. And then we had two focus groups that were made up of sighted individuals. Um, and the purpose of these focus groups was to gather information about the successes and the challenges that employees with visual impairments face with both the assistive technology and using mainstream technology in their workplaces.
0: That is awesome. Thank you so much. Penny, can you walk us through the study? kind of take us through it and how it was you
1: watched. So one of the first things we did was initially, Elizabeth and I did what's called a literature review. So we um, examined what's out there about people who are visually impaired around technology. There isn't a lot. So uh, we then also looked at regular mainstream technology use and technology used by people with disabilities. Initially, we thought we would focus on three areas, um, finance, IT, and um, Healthcare. But as we started to advertise for participants, we, we decided, you know what? We want to talk to anybody who's using technology in the workplace. And so we advertised, some of you may have gotten this on a listserv um, or through an AFB email, and we recruited um, close to 100 people. And we sorted through and wanted to try to represent both folks who, quote unquote, are blind, meaning that they primarily use speech. Um, folks with low vision primarily use print, with or without magnification. And then we wanted some sighted folks. And you may be wondering, American Foundation for the Blind, what are they doing with sighted folks? Yes, I was just well, about to.
0: Ask.
1: I knew you were because I'm reading. <laughs> you are. Yeah, am. it's amazing how I do that. Um, Very amazing. Sometimes, and I'm a person with low vision myself, Melody, and I know that you're you're a blind person. And so sometimes we think, you know the issues we're having, the challenges, the successes, the, the things that help us be productive, help us or interfere with our productivity are because we're visually impaired. And so it was important for Elizabeth and I to understand, do, do folks who have typical vision, like Mr. Mackin, our, our, our announcer here today, do they have some of the same issues? Do they have to go through challenges every time Zoom updates just like visually impaired people do. Um, how does that throw off your whole morning? So it was important for us to kind of use the sighted the folks as a yardstick. So once we identified the people we wanted to have in the focus groups, we invited them to join us for an hour and a half to two hours. Elizabeth and I had a set of questions we worked on together, which were a combination from what we learned from the literature, from common sense, um, from some of the questions that the companies that um, sponsored our research had. And we ran through these questions. So we asked each group pretty much the same questions. So that way we could look at the answers across the groups. That is,
0: that is quite impressive. I, I like that. because I can't wait to see the results are. but so I'm gonna go into this. So Elizabeth, what kind of assistive technology did the focus groups, uh, focus members use? And how did they use it?
2: Well, we had our screen reader group Um, and 61% of them use JAWS, and then 56% of them use voiceover. But um, actually most of the people in our screen reader group use three or more tools in their daily work tasks um, and for personal use also, but we were mainly focused on their work tasks. Um, So in in addition to the mainstream technology, they use also Microsoft products, uh, Zoom, Google platforms, um, Citrix, Salesforce, and then we also had many companies that have their own proprietary software. And so, um, we had questions pertaining to how the proprietary software interacted with their assistive technology software too. And then from our low vision group, we had a lot of enlarge, um, enlargement. Um, so people used a lot of their built-in software in their computers that, could enlarge the screen too um, on Mac computers, window computers, Chromebooks. And then we also had products such as Zoom Text and Magic. And then some of our our participants also noted that they use CCTVs and monoculars to access their work documents or to better view things such as trainings.
0: That was great. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Penny, to add to that, what kind of mainstream technology was used in of
1: these organizations? Yeah, you know, that is a great question. And I realized before I answer that question, Melody, it might help you and our, our listeners as well. If I just give you a little bit of background about these folks in the nine focus groups, um, it occurred to me that that would be interesting to folks. So as Elizabeth mentioned, we had folks who quote unquote are blind and we actually had 20, um, we had eight sighted folks. So we're not gonna talk about those eight sighted folks today. Mm -hmm. So of the 44 visually impaired impaired folks, 29 uh, or 66% of them were blind and the 34% or 15 of them had low vision. We were really well represented in gender, not deliberately, but we ended up with 24 females and 20 males. And our folks range now, these are employed folks from the tw- age 22 to the age of 78. And the average age was 46 years. Um, we try really hard here at AFB is do all researchers to be ethnically diverse. We didn't do as great as we would have liked um 68 white and then we had um folks from other ethnic groups um including somebody who was native american three hispanics um five people who identified themselves as um black or african-american two people who identified themselves as asian and one of the things that um i think is important for us to talk about and we don't have to do it right now melody but i do want to talk about that we really got some themes as well that emerged but To answer your real question, which was about mainstream technology, they use the gambit. Um, A lot of people use Microsoft products. A lot of people use Google products. A lot of people, because of this change to working at home, were using Zoom, uh, WebEx, you know, uh, Microsoft, I'm sorry, Google Meets, those types of tools. We also, um, as Elizabeth alluded to, had people who had proprietary software. So for example, our folks who were in the healthcare industry talked about um, um, electronic health records, You know, different systems that let you manage um, patient care. We had folks who worked for companies where the company had developed their own software um, that allowed people to do jobs. And we had some folks in sales where they were on a sales floor. And so there were tools that they used to record sales to, you know, document what um, what questions customers were asking those types of things. And we also had a few people who work customer service. So we're um, having to go to a database to be able to answer the why doesn't my refrigerator work kind of question. Um, so we really ran the gambit. Now, that's really interesting. So moving
0: into into those those areas that you've looked at you know mainstream proprietary technology and all the assistive technologies that are used by people that are blind or vision impaired coupled with the high unemployment rate that we're facing in this community did you find that technology was a major barrier
1: you know i think it's too early for us to say whether technology is a barrier to employment per se from these focus groups. And that's why we're gonna do a survey in February, Melody. So I hope all your listeners, when they get a blast from AFB saying, hey, take part in the survey, um, will be able to, to give us some input. What we did find in this data right now is that there were 10 themes that emerged from talking to these 52 people, including these 44 people who were visually impaired. And some of those definitely tied to employment. So just um, so we're all on the same page. I'm gonna run through the theme- themes that we learned about. And I think that will be interesting to hear. So the first theme is learning to use assistive technology. How do I actually learn to use this stuff? JAWS, ZoomText, whatever it may be. Our second theme where a lot of our folks talked and this does have to do with employment is the actual hiring process, working with HR and then initial onboarding. I don't know about you, but when I came onto AFB here came all these DocuSign things for me to sign. Is that accessible? For some people, yes. For some people, no. We also um, had a lot of people talk about software and hardware and the accessibility around that. Then there was this, Fourth issue of procurement. So regardless of who you work for, at some point, something new is gonna come along. Um, So AFB is getting ready to to move into Salesforce, for example. So that's gonna be new for us. So there's gonna be a training. Is that training accessible to me as a person who is visually impaired? We also found that some of our folks had additional accessibility needs that they talked about. Um, We had one um, participant who didn't have use of his hands and had a device that he used that allowed him to do input. We had a participant with a hearing impairment. So how do those additional needs impact your use of technology? Our sixth area is a big area, which is working with the IT professionals. Most of the time your IT professional has never tripped over a human that is a screen reader user or has issues around print access because of a visual impairment. And right. so how do you make that work? Right. We also asked about wishes. What, what do you wish for? Um, almost done here. Our eighth area was a really big one which was the social emotional impact of being a worker with a visual impairment and technology. Our ninth area was around productivity. How do I be productive? How do I do my you know, piece of the, the job? At the same time, learning these tools and getting all my accessibility in place, and especially when JAWS updates and my company software doesn't or my company software updates and JAWS doesn't, that takes a lot of my time to figure it out. I might need a new script. So productivity. And the final um, area that we learned about was employer-initiated training you know, what do I do when I go to that all day training to learn how to use product X? And the person up there is saying, now on this screen, you click over here or look at the red button and that could be on video or, you know, it could be in a, it could be in a document, but when that training's not accessible, how do I deal with it? So those were the things we really talked to our folks about that came out from the discussions. You know, in those discussions, Penny or Elizabeth,
0: who wants to take this question, what did you find the participants say how they navigated those barriers? Because we, we all are doing that, right? I mean, that's something we can all agree on. We're constantly looking to navigate.
1: Well, I mean, here's an example from a, a quote from one of our participants about learning to use assistive, assistive technology. You have to, I have to maneuver around on my own. I joined a writer's circle group and had to set up my profile and lots of tech issues I had. I reached out to their help desk um, as JAWS wasn't giving me any feedback. They were apologetic. It is a process for me to work with them. I am so used to it and I've had to find my own ways to troubleshoot and work around. When I worked for an employer, we did have a, not, we did not have a robust IT department. So I had to do my own thing there. I, um, I use the same strategies here at my home office. We heard over and over and over again, that the one onus was on you, the visually impaired employee, and that you had to figure out how to make it happen because the help desk, the product developer, your IT department, I didn't know, wasn't, wasn't in their repertoire.
0: That is that's gonna kind of lead me to my next question, which, um, you know, it's really wonderful that AFB that we've, we've done that study but what is it gonna do for the mainstream companies?
1: You know, I think that is the the big question of the day, whether we're talking about workplace technology, AFB has also been involved with some educational um, research about access to education for our students with visual impairments. We have to, as individuals who are visually impaired, individuals who advocate for those with visual impairments, we have to get these companies on board. And many of them are on board. They want their products to be accessible. But one thing we had one of our participants share with us, and then we, we, Elizabeth and I both started to listen after the first one, and we're like, I keep hearing this over and over again. Accessibility doesn't equate to usability. Um, we had a, a participant who um, was very well-versed. Um, you could tell from the conversation the individual knew, knew the field that that person worked in, you know, was a hardworking employee, and several times talked about, I can't get promoted, because even though the company I work for, toots accessibility at the wazoo, all the backend stuff, or much of the backend stuff is not accessible. So. I can't advance because there are things that I cannot do because there are things are not accessible. And even when I get company X to make things accessible, I have to go through 10 swipes and three clicks to make something happen that a sighted person, you know, taps once and it's done. So mm-hmm. it takes me so much longer to do it that my productivity goes down. So accessibility, Melody, doesn't equate to usability. And I think that's the piece for many companies that they don't get. They're like, oh, it'll speak. Well, right. yes, yeah, it's, it's gibberish.
0: <laughs> it doesn't help right. me be productive if it tells me button, button, button. And it's not really, a, and you don't know what that button is or if it does say the button and it's not really an active button. No, I completely understand usability. That kind of rolls me in to, through such great points that you're making um, here that, I, that we really appreciate. I, I like how AFB looks at things as a usability as opposed to an accessibility. But as we move into that and you brought up the individual with promotion, you know, what did you kind of find when people like when they want to communicate their adapt their assistive technology needs or usability needs, you know, teetering that fine line of being pushy or seeming incompetent because I know that's how a lot of us have felt um, that, that are
1: working at, at, at points. Could, did they come of talk about that in the study? Absolutely. On um, one of my favorite quotes, in order to be independent, you need to know that sometimes you need to be dependent. Another person said, I'm learning to separate self-esteem from issues that are beyond my control. I, so they were talking about it. but. A lot of folks talked about that dance with the IT professionals. Um, One participant shared, we change contracting companies for our IT every one to two years. I have to retrain IT staff on a regular basis. I've gotten them to give me administrative privileges. They mean well, but don't understand. So they gave me my administrative privileges permanently. That has been a very um, positive solution. So we, we heard that you spend a lot of time advocating for yourself as a person with a visual impairment, starting from that hiring process. Um, we had folks who talked about part of the interview was to demonstrate your ability to use program X and you know, you had to negotiate. Well, if you'd love program X on my computer that I'm bringing in for this interview, then I will have my screen reading software and I can demonstrate, my ability with program X. But if you ask me to sit down at your terminal that has program X on it, and doesn't have my screen reading software, I can't demonstrate that. And so there was like this song and dance with HR Mm -hmm. because HR didn't always get it.
0: Right. I completely, I know we've, we've all been there um, and completely understand that. Well, I this you guys ladies. This has been wonderful. But as we wrap into questions, before we get there, because we're already there, um, Elizabeth, what were your biggest key takeaways from this study? I'm going to ask you first, and then you, Penny.
2: Well, Penny already kind of talked about one of my biggest takeaway, which was that um, people with visual impairments really have to figure out a lot on their own how to perform the job tasks without any direct support from official channels within their organization. Um, And trainings, when they do receive trainings, they're very much more general about how everyone in the company can use that software or that that, um, whatever it is that they're wanting them to train on. Um, And then the person with a visual impairment is needing to figure out the accessibility of that on their own. Um, So there's a whole nother layer of learning that they have to do in order to access that technology and that although these, um, the people in the IT department really want to be helpful, they are often unsure how to really assist with the accessibility um, part of of whatever the need is. And so the person with a visual impairment has to seek out other channels of support um, to, to make sure that they're able to do their daily work tasks. Thanks, Thank Elizabeth.
1: you so much. Thank you, Elizabeth. And you, Penny? Yeah, I really have to say, I think one thing that came through for me is that we have a disconnect between um, vocational rehabilitation training and what people actually need in order to be successful. And the biggest thing that um, it sounded to me like our folks were saying was that I, as the employee, need to have the knowledge and the problem solving skills to be able to deal with whatever comes by way. Um, I, I love this quote from one of our participants. As an AT, uh, AT user, I have to have a plan D. I have to have lots of different ways of taking things on. I will use my iPad as a magnifier. If I'm going to do anything new, I have to give myself plenty of time. I try to be prepared and have many different options at my disposal. And if we don't help, if we're, if we're in the helping mode as, as in direct service providers, if we don't help people recognize that nobody in your company is gonna come up and say, how can we help you today to be more productive in your job? That that's on you, the, the employee, um, whether you're a wheelchair user, whether you're a cane user, whether you're typically sighted, you have to be a good problem solver. The second message for me is, We also have a disconnect between um, technology um, developers who who many are trying very hard and I wanna be very positive about that, but many also aren't even thinking about accessibility and as several of our participants shared, if you're a company, little company, big company, I don't care who you are, um, developing a product that is going to be sold From the start, you need to be thinking about universal design and you need to think about having a diverse group of people be part of your testing at every beta stage of your product development before you bring it to market. And if we could get companies to recognize that from the get-go, we wouldn't be doing a lot of this, you know, backdoor trying to fix the problem. We wouldn't have a problem to begin with Melody.
0: Well, thank you so much. This has been really great, both Penny and Elizabeth. Thank you so much. Um, John, I'm gonna kick it off to you for questions. This has been really informative. Thank you, ladies.
2: Sure, thank you, Melody. Thank you, Penny and Elizabeth. Uh, Just to the audience, if you have any questions, feel free to pop them into the chat. I do have a couple of uh, privately submitted ones right here. So um, I think this will probably go to you, Penny. My company has developed software for back end use. It's totally not accessible to me. I've talked to my supervisor, but I haven't gotten anywhere. What do you think I should do?
1: Wow, that is a really good question. And and we did hear from folks in the focus group about that frustration of where do I take my issue? If I I take it to my supervisor, then am I seen as a whiner? If I go to HR, am I seen as a double whiner? If I go to IT and they can't help me, am I seen, seen as a complainer? Um, one thing I think it's really important is is that um, as an employee, if, if that's developed within house, trying to get back to who in house was the developer of that product that your company is using and get with that person. Um, another thing is you might not be able to solve product X that's here today. But if your company is gonna to continue to develop things, can you become part of the group that gets to be the beta tester? So, you know, saying, hey, I recognize that, you know, we've invested $2 million in product A and that's what we're using. Um, but if we're gonna develop product B, I'd really like to be on the ground floor. So I don't have those problems. Um, if it's not something that can be quote unquote fixed immediately, I would definitely go to your um, technology company for your assistive tech, so Freedom Scientific, you know, Humanware, whoever you're using, to see if they can help you working with your company to come up with a solution. You know, there are gonna be times in a job, whether we're sighted or we're visually impaired, that there are parts of the job that that you can't do for whatever reason. And so then I think the next thing, at least short-term until we can come up with a solution is being able to negotiate with your supervisor because you, bottom line, you need to be a productive member of the company or you're gonna be out the door. So can another person take on the part of the job that isn't accessible to you and you take on some of their responsibilities as we work together to come up with a solution?
0: That was a great answer. Thank you, Penny.
2: Thank you for that. We uh, we probably have time for about one more? Yes. I'm not sure in an interview when I should tell an employer I need Zoom text and would also need to use Ira.
1: Wow. So that's a great question. So Ira for everybody is a screen or visual interpreting services. So it's like Mm -hmm. an app you can put on your iPhone and you can point it at something and say, hey, you know, can you read this to me? Um, And we found a lot of our folks in our focus groups use IRA or another app called Be My Eyes to help them access visual things um, on their job site or as part of their job responsibility. I think the issue of disclosing, especially for folks like myself with low vision who it may not initially be obvious to um, the person interviewing you that you have a visual impairment is is a challenge. So I, I have found that It's not so much my blurting out, hi, I'm visually impaired and these are the things I need, but rather talking about the job responsibilities and then saying, um, in my case, I'm a researcher and I use software called SPSS. So, in my case, as I might be giving the explanation of how I use SPSS, I might say, for me to use SPS efficiently because I have a visual impairment, I use a screen reading program, a screen enlargement program called Zoom Text. That I'll be able to load onto the machine, or that we'll be able to have HR purchase, um, you know, for me, so that I can use SPSS to be as efficient as anybody else here at the company who's using SPSS.
0: Thanks, Penny. That was great. I think we all do kind of struggle with, um, you know, have experiences in our lives. This is just outside of employment, even you know, for shopping. Let's just say, you know. Of needing that extra assistance, but also understanding that there are many facets of our lives where technology is such a huge part, and that access, that usability, is 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 points which would always, you know, that universal design that you all have talked about is is key to opening up that world of no limits.
1: Thank you. I fully agree, Melody, and I really hope um, when folks listen to this podcast that they'll go to the AFB website and. Um, since I don't off the top of my head know the, the actual URL, if you type in workplace technology study in the search field, you're gonna come to a webpage that talks about our research. And there's a, a button there that asks you if you'd like to be notified when we're gonna do our survey on it, most likely in February of 2021. So I hope folks will, will sign up for that. And maybe uh, John Mackin might be able to read us that URL. Mm-hmm.
2: AFB.org backslash workplace tech, all one word. Thank you, Thanks, John. Thanks, John. It's always
1: good to have a sighted person around and honestly, my <laughs> other thing that our, our folks said in, in the, the focus groups um, is knowing when to ask somebody who's sighted so that you're not infringing on them or their work um, and not seeming too dependent, but at the same time, you know, recognizing that, um, as one of our Pearsons was saying, you sitting there staring at his screen and after about 10 minutes, somebody, you know, leaned over and said, well, are you gonna log in? He's like, well, I'm waiting for it to boot. Jaws hadn't told him that the login screen was up. So he yeah. lost 10 minutes worth of work.
0: No, I, I totally understand completely. And, you know, one other point I just wanna say before we go, I guess I was gonna ask you where they could go. If everybody, you know, wants to be a part of that survey in February to keep going on or please, yes, check us out um, or you can contact information Penny's email is up on our afb.org website so is mine if you have any questions after this and also to um just to go back to the quote of the individual who said i always have to have a plan i've heard you say i think i said d yes um i i want to recognize that because i really think it does say that you know we being blind or vision impaired you are constantly looking and we're so innovative and innovative ways to make sure you have plan A, B, C, and D it really does make a statement that, you know, we are very cognizant of the accessibility or usability issues that we face in our, in our world. And we are very much um, advocates constantly. So, and I, I can't think of a better type of employee to have than someone who's always, you know, looking at different ways to be at workarounds and be successful. So thank you so much for your time today. I just want to thank you all for joining us. I'm really excited to have you today. And check us out at afb.org. Learn more about what we're doing, our programs, our upcoming centennial. And we thank you so much. And we are better together at creating a life with limits if we work together and advocate. Thank you so much and have a great rest of your day, everybody. Bye.